Welcome to The Mary Mack Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you find yourself in this entire world, I welcome you. How are you doing, my friend? Is this week a little better than last week? Grief is so hard to judge, isn't it? Sometimes it's a struggle just to go from moment to moment, hour to hour, then day to day. One day can be quite promising, and you feel a little better. The next, you feel so deflated, you can't get out of bed. This is the nature of the grieving process. You just don't know what can come. But you need to expect the best. Otherwise, you will be under the covers in bed and sinking deeper into a depressed state. And we certainly do not want that for you. This week, I want to speak with you about unnecessary deaths. Now, in past episodes, I've discussed how I believe the time and manner of our death is predetermined. Yet there are people whose reckless actions cause the death of others and themselves, leaving their surviving family members and friends to bear the trauma that they leave behind. And it leaves these survivors wondering, what the hell were you thinking? When I began creating this episode, I was struck by the list of these types of deaths that seemed to get longer and longer the more I sat with it. I still can't believe how many I came up with, and I bet you could add many more. For me, one of the most difficult deaths is the reckless driver who is either drunk or on drugs, or both, and decided to drive impaired. He either kills through a deadly car crash or he hits people on the street, dragging or throwing them high into the air, and when they land, they are dead. I've known two guys, ages 14 and 19, who were killed by drunk drivers. One was hit by a drunk driver, barreling down a major road with no headlights on, and Jimmy was scooped up by the car landed on the road, and killed instantly. Another, a teenage crush named Paul, 
who was 19 when he pulled out of his driveway, and a drunk driver speeding down the road crashed into his car broadside right into the driver's door, killing him as well. These deaths happened in the 1970s, but to this day, all I need to do is close my eyes and I can see the wakes and funeral services for these young men. I remember visiting their parents and Jimmy's brother Terry and seeing how devastated they were. Their families were never the same. All because someone decided to be reckless and irresponsible and drive drunk. And to this day, I am always in disbelief that a person can have upward of eight to ten convictions for driving under the influence or driving while intoxicated. DUI or DWI doesn't really matter what it's called in various areas. And the judge still lets them off with a ticket or a fine. For me, that judge is now acting just as irresponsibly and recklessly. Whether you have killed a person with a car versus killed them with a knife, the result is the same. You've taken their life, and laws and penalties for vehicular homicide should be just as strong as for homicide. Period. There are other situations where drugs and alcohol play a serious part in death. Those who drive boats while intoxicated, being incoherent, causing people who are also drunk to fall overboard because of erratic driving, or even driving the boat into sand dunes which throw passengers overboard. What about driving the boat into the pilings because they weren't paying attention while driving? All sorts of boating accidents can occur from drugs and alcohol. Then there is motorcycle racing to show off their skills, even weaving in and out of lanes between cars. Or the drag racer trying to show off what a big man he is. There is also distracted driving. Women who are putting on makeup while driving. I can appreciate at the stoplight, but not while driving. Or people who are having arguments while driving and swerve, causing their or another's deaths. Deciding that they must take that phone call and they can't find the phone in their purse. Or they are fiddling with it and losing sight of the road, causing accidents that kill others. Or what about the text that ding, 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 and God forbid they don't answer it in two seconds. Are they more afraid of insulting someone by not answering quickly enough? Or to get to their destination in one piece and not having caused an accident or another's death? I've also seen young people taking selfies or videos in the car next to me while driving. They have to show others what they are doing at every moment of the day on social media and then posting it while driving. I'm grateful that in some of these United States, we are now making laws to prohibit any phone contact while in the car. And these laws should be strengthened. There are also situations where you can take a long-distance trip 
and you try to convince yourself that you can make the last 20 miles without stopping. But you irresponsibly kept driving beyond your limit. Next thing you know, you've run off the road and are going down an embankment through fields of high grass, which wakes you up quickly. But what if it wasn't grass? What if you were submerged in a body of water and couldn't get out of your car? What if you hit a huge tree or boulder and killed you and everyone else in the car? Just because you didn't stop. Was it really that important to keep going? Maybe your pet was driving with you, and instead of containing them to one place in the car, they are running around from seat to seat, and you're getting distracted trying to make them stay still. You take your eyes off the road and crash into someone, killing them. And then there are the household accidents that kill. The person who puts a frozen turkey into a pot of boiling oil. And next thing you know, it explodes, harming or killing the cook. Or cleaning chemicals that just don't mix, and the fumes cause you and others to pass out and harm your lungs. Not replacing batteries in the smoke alarm, and a fire breaks out, killing the entire family. Leaving the gate to the pool open, and a young one drowns. Leaving the gate to the backyard open, and a young one runs into the street and is hit by a car who couldn't see them quickly enough, or so low to the ground, they didn't see them at all. What about the young people who raid their parents' medicine cabinets and experiment with their prescription drugs? Oftentimes, the parents don't even realize it until the child has overdosed. Or young children who gain access to household cleaners and poisons and ingest them. And young ones and adults of all ages who use drugs to numb themselves on a daily basis just to get through life. There are people who can't go for a few minutes without being in this state. They have decided that they aren't capable of living without being high. And their recklessness can cause all sorts of tragedy. An addicted person left at home with young children is incapable of watching them responsibly and then the children have an accident or hurt themselves, sometimes leading to death. These days, people think weed is harmless, but the reality is it's still a drug that numbs us and leaves us incompetent. And those addicted to drugs and alcohol think they are infallible, but that is not the case. Many an addicted person fell asleep while the children in their care were harmed or killed. Let us also consider those who do anything in excess that kills them, usually alcohol or drugs or both. Another reckless death is irresponsible use of fireworks and firearms. Leaving both in the home while young ones can gain access can cause deep regret. And we must also consider both suicide and homicide, which are absolutely unnecessary deaths.
To take one's life or to have one's life taken is by far the most difficult of deaths for surviving family and friends to endure. Yet many people choose suicide as a way out of all their emotional and sometimes physical pains when there are so many ways to help themselves, yet they couldn't see any options. Their families are left to always wonder why, even if a note was left. And in the case of homicide, which I know all too well, a particular person intentionally took the life of another, leaving the victim's family to live life with that heartache. If you've endured any of these types of deaths, you know how difficult it is to move forward, thinking that you will still live with guilt, anger, regret, remorse, bitterness, and many other emotions. There are many parts to these types of deaths. First is the anger you feel for their irresponsibility. Second is the guilt and regret you might feel for putting them in charge when they were incompetent or didn't know they were on drugs or wished you knew they wanted to take their life or couldn't protect them as in the case of murder. And thirdly, the deep sense of unforgiveness you feel toward yourself for whatever part you think you might have played in their death, whether real or imagined. Based on the circumstances surrounding their death, you might be so overwhelmingly angry at them for what they did or didn't do. Then you are dealing with any guilt or regret or anger that you might feel toward them. After all, they are dead. Are you really entitled to feel anger and a whole host of emotions? And the answer is, of course you are. Just because someone has died doesn't mean you can't be angry at them. In this case, they caused their death or someone else's, and it's natural for you to feel angry. And then there is the unforgiveness you feel toward them and yourself. Sometimes this is the hardest to get past. A long time ago, when my 11 year old stepdaughter was murdered, we did not know who killed her for 18 years. It took that long to arrest her murderer and another two to bring him to trial and convict him. I wondered how I was going to release all the unforgiveness I had felt toward this person who killed her. One day, while I was writing, the television was on in the background in the middle of the night. That's my favorite time to write. It's so much quieter. And a pastor came on and was talking about unforgiveness. He said two things that stayed with me. Unforgiveness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Then secondly, he talked about how when you build a home, you have to make the frame to pour the concrete to lay the foundation. He said, what if you thought of the frame as your way of dealing with unforgiveness? All you have to do is say the words, I forgive them, and let God do the rest for you. You don't have to feel anything toward that person. 
You don't even have to talk to that person if they're still alive and caused all sorts of havoc on your life, taking away someone you loved. You simply say the words, whether you mean them or not, and you let God handle the rest. And that's it. Nothing else. You've now laid the framework for a new life free of unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness. So you might be wondering, why am I telling you to do this? Because you see, you cannot live in unforgiveness without it causing you sickness, stress, anxiety, and diseases. Your system needs to be calm and free from disease. When I worked with families whose children were murdered, ultimately one or both of the parents would get very ill not long afterwards. Fathers and mothers would have strokes and heart attacks and develop cancer. They were trying to control what couldn't be controlled. So if you've experienced the unnecessary death of someone you loved or had to endure the reckless actions of someone who caused these acts, it is necessary for you to speak those words out loud when you're ready. I forgive you. And I'm not saying to go to that person. It's not necessary. Just speak those words out loud to the universe. And then I want you to say, I forgive myself. I forgive me. Whatever part you feel you might have played or not played, it's time to forgive yourself also. This exercise is specifically for you. So you can continue with your life in a peaceful, calm manner. You aren't looking to go to that person. You are making sure that your system is relaxed. You're going to move forward so you can have a better life, free from all the stressors surrounding these deaths. Put your arms around yourself and give yourself a huge long hug. And remind yourself there is nothing you can do about this now. It's in the past. And it's time for you to look forward to a future for yourself. It is important that you learn the emotional freedom technique so you can survive this and get yourself some box rescue remedy to calm you. I will leave the links in the show notes. There are tools to increase your quality of life, even though you've endured great sorrow. Be kind to yourself as you grieve your losses. So now it's time to get up, move our bodies, and dance, dance, dance. And even if you think this is a little strange, don't think about it. Just do it anyway, okay?
you for listening in today. Remember to write five things in your journal each evening that you are grateful for. Visit my website, marymac.info, for your free ebook. And please rate and review my podcast wherever you listen to me. And as always, remember to be happy because you deserve to. I'll talk to you again soon.